0: Hey, Amanda. Uh, yep. it's Chad. You, you're coming onto the stream? Yeah, can you hear me? Oh, uh, yeah, we're here. Hey, uh, just for you guys that don't know, I'm Chad, and uh, with us, we have Amanda from Rolling with the Whitneys. Uh, we kind of are going to cover a topic that is probably the most asked question uh, on our websites and <clears throat> on our new uh, portal, RV.solar, uh, and that is how do I figure out how much solar I need and uh, what kind of uh, solar system do I want, what's best for me? Um, I know Amanda, you've uh, experienced that some with uh, with traveling and, and trying to use our solar system to make that happen. Um, do you remember our trip out to, uh, and, I, and I always mention this to people, the one where we stayed in, uh, in the Smoky Mountains and uh, we were underneath all the trees
1: yes i remember we didn't have any, quite enough power
0: <laughs> yeah no matter <laughs> what we did it it just always seemed that the uh the the system no matter how we designed it had not uh had not been able to keep up with it because it was uh it was all of the trees so what was the name of that campground that was um
1: oh sh- i don't remember i think it was in Cades cove. cove somewhere
0: yeah kate's cove and uh we were staying, so Cades Cove, uh, for those of you who hadn't been there before, um, Cades Cove is in the, I think it's the Great Smoky Mountain National Park, and it is not far from, what is it, Gatlinburg, and what's the other little city there? Um, I say little P- city.
1: Is it Pigeon Ford?
0: Yeah, Dollywood was there. I think uh, we went one time, because they make this gigantic out
1: there. Wood.
0: Dolly, what did I say? Dolly World. <laughs> yeah, confusing my Wally World and my Dolly World. Um, yeah, so we went there. That that was really nice, but I really like this area uh for camping. So in the park itself, um, there's a generator park and there is a non-generator park. Well, the generator park is almost always full, and in the uh whole campground both the generator and the non-generator there's no electricity except for i think it was like two or three handicap spots there handicap accessible spots where you could have a single 15 amp outlet and those are always booked uh, just as the generator spots were um but i think uh there was what about 10 or 15 campsites on each row in the national park
1: you know i don't really remember um what I remember most about that trip is Jack actually, and his losing.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so the the campground is is pretty. Uh, it's
1: very hilly. It's,
0: it's very hilly, and uh, this was one of my moments when I decided uh, maybe I I needed to to stop being gung ho. So uh, my son goes on the on the skateboard and he's laying down and losing down the hill. Well, we're from a pretty flat area. You know, right by the Gulf Coast, I think uh, if elevation changes 10 feet and more than 10 miles, uh, it's a hill. Uh, but in this particular area, it was uh, it was a whole new uh, undertaking for us. So he got on his skateboard and went up about halfway up the hill and came down. And he's probably going 20 miles an hour. And I said, oh, I'll go up higher up on the hill. <laughs> yeah, uh, By the time he came down the second time, he was probably doing 35 or 40 miles an hour so. I think uh, that might not have been the best advice
1: but yeah that, i had um, to put a stop to that one yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, but if you haven't ever been to cades cove it's probably one of the neatest uh, national parks there on the on the east coast uh it's right by like i said in tennessee um and where you're able to ride through the cades cove is like on top of this hill and there's um, some old houses and stuff like that. I mean, really one of the things people always are looking for is the wildlife. Uh, now I know Gatlinburg had, uh had a large fire there, of uh, what, two years ago now? Um,
1: Something like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I remember when we were there, which was probably three years ago, they were doing a prescribed burn. So I'm thinking that probably helped that area. Um, you know, if if I get someone to when I post this on the web, let me see if I can find some pictures. You remember that lady who was uh, one of the, the firemen out there?
1: Uh, I from- do remember right. she was uh, wearing those big tanks, burning. It was like a fire shooter or something. She had.
0: Yeah, it was like a diesel tank. I think where I poured diesel to light the fire, but they were doing some good stewardship of the forest, and and she said that that this is one of the ways they're able to protect. Uh, large areas from burning, which is to do prescribed burns, where they're able to control them. Because you know, I think when we drove through Florida too, we kind of learned that sometimes the forest actually needs to burn, because I think it makes a healthier forest. So way way above my pay grade. Um, but one of the things I know in this particular park, you will find trees, out the yin yang wazoo, whatever word you want to insert there. Uh, because I don't think in the in the non-generator campground we had any direct sun at any of the spots in the entire campground.
1: No, I remember having to go out to the parking lot to get solar.
0: Yeah, so uh now to tell you a little bit about the solar system that we have when we, when we sized it is I could have spent as much money cuz like one of the things that we always talk about when I'm helping people decide a, a to, to get a system is there's a couple of factors. One, you can calculate every load to the nth degree and get all that information um, and figure out exactly what it is. But an easier way to approach it, and this is just uh, what I think is the the simple way to approach it, is you're going to have a couple limiting factors. And those will be the amount of money you have to spend on your RV solar. And the other constraints will be how much roof space do you have? Uh, which in the end was one of our big constraints. And and the final one is, so you have how much roof space do you have? How much budget do you have? And, and how much can your controller handle? You know, because every controller is going to have a maximum amount. And controllers can get expensive, especially to upsize them. So you kind of want to pick the perfect world in there. So we could have picked a bigger controller than we needed panels for. And we could have spent more money. But in the end, it was really the roof space because we wanted to kind of keep our panels on those two um, on the roof rack on our Sprinter van. And, and I think that's worked really well for us. And we've created a, good, a, a great system, actually. I think for the most part, we hardly ever think about our solar. What do you think about that, Amanda?
1: Um, yeah, no, the only time I ever noticed it is when I hit a tree. <laughs>
0: Don't hit a tree yet. <laughs> so, the, uh But, I mean, it runs our refrigerator. So we have an Engel 12-volt refrigerator that runs 24 hours a day in our van. Uh, we have an inverter charger and stuff like that. But for the most part, we never think about our solar. And that's when you know you have a properly sized solar system is when you really aren't looking at it now i can tell you there's always going to be instances no matter how well you size your system that you're going to be somewhere like kates cove and and no matter what you do your system is just not going to work where you want it to be and uh in those cases you're going to rely on your battery bank which is going to get you through uh you know quite a few days because that's where you that's like your fuel tank you know your batteries are where you store your power uh where did we go camping recently that uh, was it thanksgiving camp for the scouts um where we were under a lot of trees again and weren't getting full, full sun.
1: Yeah. That was another, uh, time. And unfortunately for that situation, we were unable to move the vehicle. So that, that caused for a little, um, worry at some point.
0: Yeah. That's, uh, for those of you not familiar with scout camping, there's, uh, a lot of rules about moving vehicles once camp starts. So they don't like, uh, the vehicles to be moving and, uh, there, there. You you kind of have to keep them where they are. I mean, it's for obvious safety reasons. But uh, where in the in in the real world out there, boondocking or RV or whatever you're doing, you can kind of move to wherever you want to go. The uh, but but this is it. So I know one of the one of the features we've been working on is adding a, a good list of devices that run off grid because we've run just about every kind of device that you can think of. Um, and some of them with varying degrees of success because it's based on how much power they use. Do you remember when we uh, were able to uh, use that induction cooktop on the top of Rainier?
1: Yeah, and I was going to say that was probably our appliance that pulls the absolute most power, that and the water kettle.
0: Yeah, the water kettle. So um, why don't you tell us about what we use when when we're cooking, and by the top of Rainier, I mean, as far as you can drive, because I was not going mountain and
1: clogging Are you asking me what, what we used on that trip? Is that what you're saying? Yeah.
0: When well, you said it was our biggest load. What device is that?
1: Oh, yeah, the uh, induction cooktop. Yeah, so, I can't remember what we cooked. I think um, I don't really remember what it was. but Some burritos,
0: if I remember oh, right.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's right. That's right. I think we uh,
0: went uh, to the camp store and all they had was like hot dogs and, um, you know, just really movie theater kind of food.
1: Yeah, I think actually now I'm remembering that we just kind of emptied out, kind of did like a leftover burrito cookout kind of thing. Stuffed it with whatever we had.
0: Yeah, And uh, we ran that off of our battery. So I think when we, so that was probably at lunchtime so we completely drained our batteries making one meal on our induction cooktop and um just in in fairness when we built out our van we intended to install four batteries into the uh, into the van for storage of power but one of them came in uh before we left on one of our trips and the other three uh were back ordered so uh we ended up installing one, and I've never changed it. Now, one thing we have done is I've purchased a new lithium battery that uh, we plan on having installed here shortly. Uh, that that battery, I think, is going to give me better runtime when it comes to those big loads, because like I think Amanda was saying, our water kettle is another big user.
1: Yeah, it is, but you know, when we were low on power or something like that, really all you got to do is pull out the little propane tank. <laughs> yeah. So it's really not an emergency situation, but w- when you, when you're relying on it, you know, you definitely want it.
0: Well, you know, I just got to tell you, coffee is an emergency situation. <laughs> you know, it, it, especially when, it, when, when you're out there at uh when you run out of coffee, it's uh it's, it, it's an emergency. Things need to Happen quickly. So, but, uh so, you know, the reason why I was mentioning these bigger loads is because when you're calculating, like a big load is like 1,500 watts, 2,000 watts. That's microwaves, induction cooktops, things like that. But usually you don't run those items for a long time. I mean, you're running a, how long would we use that induction cooktop? 15 minutes, maybe?
1: Yeah, not very long. 15 to 20 minutes, you know, whatever. I think boiling the water would take the longest, but you know, we try not to do that too often.
0: Yeah, and and I mean, with an induction cooktop, you'll drain a 100 amp hour battery probably in 15 minutes. So, and that's an AGM style battery because you're, you're draining a lot of power. But uh, when you run smaller loads, like for example, a CPAP machine, um, you know, a CPAP machine can draw a hundred watts. So you can run that for 10 hours, and use less power than you used in 15 minutes running that induction Um, cooktop. There's a lot to be considered because the the amount of power that it pulls and how long it runs is definitely what goes into calculating that load, but also the battery chemistry, what what kind of chemistry the battery has. Now, we have not started running our lithium batteries, but uh, I will tell you that the lithium batteries are much better because they have almost a direct linear drain rate, in other words, uh And we run a big load like that. one of the reasons why it eats our battery uh, uh power so much is because it's at a high rate, and the battery just doesn't produce the same amount of power when it's drained really quickly. whereas a lithium battery does it's it's about ninety six or ninety seven percent efficient for what I remember reading um, and and that's one of the things now we'll tell you one of the questions we're going to get on under- write a whole article about this is uh, and Amanda could probably tell you what the number one question we get from customers is what they want to run on their RV uh, solar system. Amanda, do you want to guess what, I, what I'm talking about?
1: Air conditioner?
0: Air conditioning, yeah.
1: Everybody so wants
0: air conditioning and, um, you know, it can be done, especially if you're in a dry area with a lot of sun and the temperatures are not unreasonable. But I think trying to run your air conditioner full-time here in the South <laughs> when it's 100% humidity. Um, you know, I know if I start in our in our van, we have uh, like a 13,500 BTU air conditioner. And if I start that up, I think I'm draining pretty near 240 amps on the DC side uh, just to start it up. So if you can imagine running that, just even on lithium batteries, you're draining about 240 amp hours for every hour that thing runs. And in the South where we are, you're, you're, I don't ever think it shuts off. I think it runs 24 seven. Yeah. yeah. So. I
1: don't think that it can like the, there's not enough insulation in an RV.
0: Yeah. And if, even our house, you know, I mean, Hector in the summer, it's really hard to do. So there are times, you know, and I think I've seen some good videos on YouTube where people have gone out and they they have a $10,000 lithium battery bank. They've got soft starts on their air conditioners and they have a good air conditioner and um, and they're able to uh, run in the desert where there's low humidity and the temperatures really not that high as 75 degrees or 80 degrees and they want to run it it's a lot different than trying to run at 95% humidity and at 95 degrees. So uh there are some constraints but we're going to do a whole different podcast on that because I'm going to uh, I want to bring in some extra people on that one to to try to get it. Uh, Amanda, what would you say uh in the in the traveling we've done and working on solar, what do you think one of the devices that we use more often than than we would have thought that we probably didn't calculate when we built our system? What what device would that be?
1: um well the the device that we use the most that i love the most obviously is our refrigerator um but that's not one that pulls a whole lot of power something that maybe we use um you know the stove really is just something that oh you know what once when we had to do the heater i think that pulled (laughs) that might have pulled too much power yeah the time when we were in minnesota
0: (laughs) i think um so I know Minnesota and Mississippi share a lot of letters in common and a common river, but temperature, they are not the same. So <laughs> I think when we left uh, when we left the coast, it was probably 85 degrees. I think this was like
1: October-ish. Yeah, I think we had shorts and flip-flops on.
0: Yeah, and uh, by the time we got to Minnesota and we were like up by, uh, was it Rootbeer Falls or Grand Marais? up on the lake superior i think we got that area we had to go and buy clothes we we had to fit a heater i mean because it was below freezing at night and that's colder than we get all year Uh, it was gorgeous but we just weren't built for that here so uh it's, it's one of one of the differences well so to get back to the the roof space, right, so one of the things you have to do is when you when you look at your RV and you calculate the size of your RV solar system, you have to look at how big your roof is. So the average RV is about eight foot wide and, you know, some length, right, and don't include, like, on a travel trailer, don't include, like, how much, there's sometimes a curved area in the front. Calculate how long the roof is, like usable roof. So, if you have, a, say, a 20-foot RV and it's 8-foot wide, then you have, uh, that serves me right, 160 square feet maximum. So, a 190-watt panel is about 10 square feet. So, you could put, what, 26 panels up there maximum. Now, that doesn't account for all of the things that are installed on the roof, right? Because when they put vents and fans and uh, air conditioner and TV antenna, and any of these connections that are on top of the roof, they don't really lay them out so they're all in one area. They are just peppered all through the roof. So you have to figure out how much open space you have to install it. Now, there are a couple ways to do it. always really suggest drawing it out first, just getting a good idea. Another thing that a lot of customers have done is they create a cardboard template and they'll kind of lay it a couple of the panels out to see exactly how they can fit. I think that was when we installed ours. I don't think we really had to think about that too much because we decided to install ours on the roof rack. Uh, you know, so I think if I remember right, I don't think we did a template for ours.
1: No, I don't believe we did. I think um, we just went up there with the the uh, solar and just screwed it right onto the roof rack. I think it fit perfectly.
0: Yeah, because I think we laid out the the cross beams on the roof rack to fit the panels. <laughs> And we figured we had enough for two panels, and that would leave us enough room to. Right now, we don't. Our air conditioner is like a mini split kind of system, so we don't come through the roof. But we wanted to leave room for those kind of things, um, and so we we left the panels toward the back. Uh, but that that was one thing. Now for budget, you know, three panel system, you're looking a little over fifteen hundred bucks with a PWM controller, maybe a little closer to like nineteen hundred bucks with with a really good MPPT controller. Um, when when you look at that system, the budget on a solar system is really not that much. I mean, when we first started selling them, I want to say a regular like 100 watt solar panel was over a thousand bucks or fifteen, hundred bucks. And I mean now, the base kit of one of the the uh, solar kits is like under $650 dollars with everything. So I mean, I think pricing has come down from budget, don't you think since we started?
1: Yeah, um, the pricing's come down, the size of the, the solar panels have gone up, and or the wattage, should I say, not the size, because the physical size has stayed the same, but the wattage has gone way up. Almost, yeah. I think, 100 watts, oh, like 100 watts up since we started.
0: Yeah. We, our first panels we sold were 100 watts and 110 watts, and I think that 110 watt footprint is now 190 watts. Yeah, so are thought- up a lot. Yeah, we installed the panels on the van back in, what, like 2015? And so we installed 160 watts. And I think early last year, that same footprint became 190 watts. So that's a 30-watt increase in the same footprint. So they're definitely getting a lot more efficient and producing more power. But I will tell you, more and more people are having to install solar simply because You know, national parks are limited in how much generator time you can have, if at all. It's harder to get into spaces with generators. Um, I think the easiest camping we found for boondocking and stuff like that, um, you know, where you can always get a spot is to boondock. And that's, uh, you're going to need your own power. And that's where the solar comes in. And as long as temperature is not an issue, I would say when we boondock, we really don't need any extra power. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I don't think so. Um, And it's super more convenient. I mean, just to be able to pull over and go wherever you want to go and not have to be tied down to the power grid. I mean, it's just a a more convenient and fun way and spontaneous way to camp.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it's uh, sometimes you're you're in the prettiest areas because every time that you're in a standard RV park, you're about eight feet from your nearest neighbor and uh, you're just right up on them, and there's lots of power lines to, to, to do things like that. But when we go in, like, to some of the, like, and I'm thinking, like, up by uh, Vicksburg, Mississippi, near the uh, battlefield, uh, the Civil War battlefield there. Um, we've stayed in that one campground. Now, it was nice spots you could just pull right in. They were probably, you know, 50, 100 yards from the nearest campsite no power no water at the sites it was just complete boondocking um there were centralized bathrooms on that one which we do like uh, you know i think that's one of the things that we normally are looking for when we go off-grid camping but you know larger rvs don't necessarily necessarily even need that um the uh the other constraint that we talked about yeah you know, so we talked about budget we talked about roof and we talked the next one is charge controller So, when you buy a charge controller, you're going to have to to choose a type of controller. It's either going to be a PWM or an MPPT, and it's going to have a certain number of amps on it. It's going to be 10, 20, 30. The most common are 30 amp MPPT, I mean, 30 amp PWMs and 40 amp MPPTs. Now, so a 30 amp PWM controller is going to max out at about three 190 watt panels. And a 40 amp MPPT controller is gonna max out at about four 190 watt panels. So that's gonna be another another limit. So even if your roof can hold 20 panels, even if your uh, budget can, um, can accommodate to buy those 20 panels, if your controller can only handle four and that's the only controller you have, then that's gonna be a limit. So then you'd have four panels. So sometimes using these three limits to calculate the size of your panels, um or the size of your rv system and when you're when you're trying to calculate how much solar you need i think that can often be a lot easier than trying to calculate the loads on every device that you want to run because Amanda, I wouldn't you think there's a lot of times where we ran uh, well we ran out of power but we also ran more stuff than we were expecting to
1: uh probably so um I can't think of any instances specifically that... that like
0: the heater, I think, was that one? Oh, yeah,
1: well, that, <laughs> you know, that, was just that anomaly, I guess. I don't know.
0: <laughs> but, I mean, no matter how much calculating we would have done on our system, something, either we didn't produce the amount of power we were calculating, or we used a lot more power. It's real easy if you use less power, because nothing really happens. But when you do use things that draw more power for longer than you expect, uh, then I think that's when when you want to do it, uh, when, you, when, you, when your system calculation is not going to work. And, and this is something I always recommend for people, you know, when I talk to them, is don't calculate your RV solar system on sunny day, because I think everybody gets sunny days and that's not really when you need the most power. When you need the most power was when you're under the trees, you know, and that's where having extra panels increase your amount of power. So if you have one panel and you're in the shade, it's going to produce, say, one amp. Well, the best way to make a better outcome on those days with a lot of shade is add two more panels, because right there, you're going up to three amps. So on a sunny day, that produces 27 amps, which is a lot of power. But really, on the on the cloudy days or in a lot of shade, having that three amps of um, energy production is huge compared to a one-amp production. So the, the difference is uh less on a sunny day because if you're producing nine amps you're still producing a lot of power but to get three amps on a really shady day or in and uh or with inclement weather uh that that makes a big difference and usually that's when we're inside probably watching tvs and using more power but so well um again I, amanda thanks for joining us she's with uh rolling with the Whitneys and. Uh, you know out there we wanted to discuss uh sizing your rv solar system amanda is there anything else you wanted to add today to this uh Uh,
1: no i think you probably covered it all um again i'm sorry about my voice sounding all crazy today trying to get rid of this cold but you know
0: part of uh i guess part of getting out this time of year it fogs in really uh pretty bad where we're at the uh, sometimes that you know that (laughs) it's kind of like you can't see the sun for uh, a day or two at a time which again trying to run solar here close to when everything's fogged in you you get some power but it's definitely not a lot of production so well thanks again Amanda for joining us Um, if you have any questions there's a form on our site Um, you know it's it's rv.solar Uh, forward slash ask a question go ahead and put a question in there and we'll try to answer it in one of our podcasts Uh, go ahead and like uh this podcast if you want and share it we appreciate any extra traffic to uh to rv.solar and we hope this uh information's been helpful and we shall uh hopefully see you soon Bye. bye